Welcome to Between Two Lips, a podcast dedicated to all things pelvic health for women. I'm your host, Kim Vopney, the Vagina Coach, and I am excited to share with you information from leading pelvic health professionals from around the world, stories from women at all life stages who have faced struggles and successes, and of course, I share a little about my own pelvic health journey as well. There is too much silent suffering associated with the female pelvis, and I am on a mission to change that. It's time we talk openly about a part of the body that deserves a whole lot more attention than it gets. Join me each week for casual and candid conversations that will both inform and inspire you to optimize your pelvic health for life. Welcome to another episode of Between Two Lips. I am your host, Kim Bopney, the Vagina Coach. And in this week's episode, I am joined by Catherine Elborn, who is the host of Me, Myself, and My Vagina podcast. She reached out to me on Instagram and wanted to be a guest, and I welcomed her with open arms. She shares her story of pregnancy, birth, and prolapse, as well as her return to fitness being a personal trainer. So we had a great chat about the emotional side of prolapse, which is, I think, the part that is often the hardest to overcome, the emotional roller coaster that we go on, how she learned about it, who she saw, the two people that one was helpful, one wasn't, and how she got back to where she is now, where she says she is fitter than she was before. So instead of a big can't list, she didn't think that was okay, wasn't a good option for her. She sought some other opinions, and she got a great big can list. So the work that she put in, working with the pelvic floor physio, retraining her system, got her back to doing all the things that she loves. I hope you enjoy hearing this story, and, and I also hope that it gives you some hope. Prolapse as a diagnosis can really halt us in our tracks and can really, as we talked about earlier, affect our emotional health, not just our physical health. And when we take exercise away, that is often an outlet for improving our mental health or managing our mental health. And so it can really be a double whammy. Catherine has overcome that. She helps others through her own fitness business and also wants to continue help inspiring others. And I really hope you enjoy your story. Hi, Catherine. Thank Hi. you so much for joining me. Welcome to Between Two Lips. Happy You're welcome. Have you? Yeah. Thank you. Of course, you had reached out to me on Instagram. We follow one another and social media and you are now, you're on a mission because of your own personal journey with regards to pelvic health and prolapse. And I would love to learn a little bit more about your story. So maybe we'll start there. Just tell us a little bit about you and what got you to where you are now. Okay. So my name's Catherine. I'm the host of the podcast, Me, Myself, My Vagina. And basically my prolapse was the inspiration for my podcast. So I had a little girl well, she's not so little now, she's seven. After I had her, it was probably about two years after I had her, I'd noticed something wasn't quite right with my vagina, with my revolver. I had a bulge, I had a lump, and I felt a heaviness, but I didn't have any pain or discomfort and I wasn't incontinent. And it was one of those things I thought, yeah, I'm going to get sorted out. I'll phone the doctor, I'll go to the GP. But when you have a child, you just never get around to it. Other things take priority. And it wasn't until I had my smear test and the nurse was like, oh, have you got any gynae problems? And I was like, oh, well, no, not really. But I've noticed like a bit of a bulge. So I couldn't really tell you exactly when I noticed it. It was something that happened over time. 
And I just said, oh, it's something that I've been meaning to kind of get checked out. She's like, well, obviously I can't do that for you here. So book a GP appointment. So I had the smear test. I went to the GP and she basically told me that I had a prolapse of the pelvic organ. And it kind of turned my world upside down, if I'm honest. I knew very little about prolapses. The only thing I knew about them, naively, I associated them with old people. So only Mm -hmm. old people get prolapses. It doesn't happen to young people. I'd never even thought about having a baby would kind of relate to that. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled. Because I was like, when I was told, you just kind of think, oh my God, my vagina is going to fall out. Like, what, what do I do now? And I was then thinking, I can't be the only person to kind of feel that way. And I had so many questions. I felt quite lost. I didn't really know where to go. I'd been told by the GP that I'd had a pelvic, like that I'd had a prolapse. And then from there, I got into the physiotherapy. But obviously, there's quite a long wait. I think that was around November time. And it wasn't until the February that I actually started my physio. And during that time, you just kind of feel, feel you're on your own. You're just kind of left and you're waiting for that letter to come through. So the journey of a prolapse has been very like up and down. You know, I had some good days. I had some bad days. But that was really why I was thinking I just can't be the only person to go through this and to have very little information about it. Because I think when you become pregnant, you have a lot of information about becoming pregnant during pregnancy, but you don't really get anything about afterwards. And I wish I knew more. I think that's changing now. I think there's been a definite improvement. But at the time, I had kind of nothing to go with, really. And so it was a bit of a roller coaster in that way. And it affected me. I am a personal trainer as well. And I've done pre and postnatal, but again, there was been no real information about pelvic floor. Or I think when I left hospital, I was t- kind of told two things. She said, don't forget about contraception. And I was like, I've just had a baby, like that's not going to happen. And then they said, oh, do your pelvic floor. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I know what I have to do. But I think a lot of women think they know how to do their pelvic floor, mm-hmm. but I don't think we really do until we're guided with it. And I didn't really do it. I mean, you know, it's one of those things you think, oh, yeah, I've got to do, but I never really, like, never did. Never. Obviously, my opinion of that has very much changed since what I've learned from my journey. So it was just kind of because of that. And then during my physio, I was basically told I couldn't run. And running is really important to me mentally, physically. And then that was taken away and I would say my prolapse probably affected me more mentally than it did physically if that makes sense mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a super common super common experience yeah because I don't really have I don't really I think I'm lucky in a sense when it comes to my prolapse because I don't really have any pain discomfort I'm not incontinent it's just more about the actual bulge and the heaviness and even now I've had I've gone through my physio and even now, I would say I'm very much aware of when I've overdone it. And I know where then I need to have either a rest day or change what I do from an exercise point of view as well. So mm-hmm. I think through my own journey, I've educated myself more about prolapses. Yeah. What kind of prolapse do you have? I was told I've got a pel- prolapse with a pelvic organ. And did they tell you whether it was bladder, uterus, rectum? No, not as far as okay. I remember, no. So it was because it's quite, it quite a while ago since I had my initial physio. So I'm a, on a bit of a mission now. So I've made the decision that every year I'm going to book in with a physio just to kind of maintain. And obviously, because I suppose now I, it was all through self-maintenance. I haven't had any surgery. I haven't had any kind of intervention in that way. It's all been about kind of self-maintenance and 
pelvic floor exercise and breathing and positioning. So I'm just conscious, I suppose, of what could happen like later on if I don't look after it now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so you just to backtrack, you you had your baby and it was, as you say, a couple of years. Then you had your pap smear and then they the, the nurse was asking questions. Then you go and get the official diagnosis. But during the time between when that happened and then when you started physio and when it was recommended that you stop running, were you were you still exercising during yeah. that time? Yeah. So yeah. basically, I can't really, I don't think anyone has been able to pinpoint the reason why I got a prolapse. So I was in a 24-hour labour. I had episiotomy. I also had forceps, which I know can relate to prolapses. Being a fitness instructor as well, I taught classes, so I don't know whether I went back too soon after having my baby. I was very conscious about when I did go back and, you know, reduce the ex- reduce the weights, reduced kind of my movement. But I don't know whether that kind of all incorporated to it. But because I had very little knowledge, I kind of just carried on, rightly or wrongly, I don't know. But I suppose it because I wasn't feeling any pain or I wasn't mm-hmm. bleeding. I didn't have any kind of signs like that, so I kind of just... I would have probably used those as more as warnings. So if that did happen, mm-hmm. and I think I would be more likely to have stopped exercise. Yeah, and the challenge with with prolapse is it is something that really we're not told about, as you mentioned early in, in prenatal education or even throughout our life's lifetime when we're learning about bodies and menstrual health and all that. We aren't we just aren't told anything about the pelvic health really. And then when we get this diagnosis, and especially when we see people who say you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this. That's the hardest part when we have all of these things that have brought us joy removed from our life and then the mental thought of how do I carry on? How am I going to be able to exercise? How am I going to be able to do this? And that's the biggest challenge. But from the time when you were you started having some symptoms, you said not pain, but you were kind of like, no, well, something feels a little off, but you carried on. And, you know, you have said, was it rightly or wrongly? We will never know. There are so many things that contribute to the development of prolapse. We can never pinpoint this was the exact cause of why you got it. And and there's a lot of people that carry on with, they, they carry a lot of guilt and resentment and anger and all of that emotion pl- is part of that roller coaster that we're on, right? And and then we don't know what questions to ask and we don't, it's it's all this uncertainty that that kind of halts us and and stops us in our tracks. But really, the point I'm trying to make is you carried on, you were doing your exercise, and you did all the things that were bringing you joy, until somebody said that you needed to stop. And so I'm interested now at that point, when they said to stop, you said that kind of halted you. And then how did you get back to your personal trainer, you have to incorporate that into your client work. And then what did you do from your own fitness perspective as well? So Basically, I I had quite a negative experience with my physio, but I also had a very good experience. So I had two physios, basically. The first one was very much like, no, you've got to stop running. And she wouldn't really give me any kind of help with that. She just like took it away from me. And I was like, I don't think you've realised what you've done here by taking that running away from me. Like fitness is important to me and you've all... and. Now, I don't know what to do to replace that. And she showed no empathy towards me either during our appointments. So I remember she was talking about sex once and she was like, are you having sex? And I was like, like, no, like who would want to go down? You know, that's not going to happen. I don't feel in the right frame to have sex anyway, but I don't want anybody going near me. And I think I was on the contraceptive pill and she's like, all right, to get your like 
basically sex drive because I'd lost my sex drive as well. And she said, oh, you just need to kind of get back on it. And I was like, well, what does that like? What does that mean? Like, she wasn't really helpful in that way. Yet on the flip side, I then I had three sessions with her and then I had three sessions with another physio. And she was the complete opposite. She showed me so much empathy. She knew running was important to me. She knew about the job that I did. And she knew that my ultimate goal would be to get back to running. And she was just so much more, right, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. These are the exercises we're going to follow. If you feel something's not quite right, if you feel bleeding or anything like that, stop the exercises, just tone it down a little bit. So I had a lot more guidance from her. And I think that's kind of what I needed. So I was able to take her guidance to my own work and my own, I did, I was walking. A big thing for me was, and I still say it to this day, like never underestimate the power of a good walk because just going out, because I think obviously running, you're going outside, it's a bit of a stress relief. But even though I was running, I was going outside, I was walking, I was with my daughter like, in the buggy and things like that. So I was a kind of incorporated walking rather than running, which got me outside, which I kind of felt so much better for doing. And in regards to me, when I was kind of with my clients, I was just very self-aware of what I could do and I told my clients about my limitations and obviously that wouldn't stop me from training someone. It just meant that I couldn't necessarily kind of lift the same weight that they were doing. And it, and it went with a being a personal trainer, it's not about my fitness anyway, it's about, about theirs. But So I think from the advice that my second physio gave me, it was a lot more structured. It was a lot more, right, this is our plan. This is where we're going to get to. But obviously we need to just take it step by step. And I think that's the important thing to say is your a recovery journey, my recovery journey was just so up and down. You, know, you had really good days, you had bad days, but it was important to really listen to your body. So when you kind of think, oh yeah, this is brilliant. Everything kind of feels like it's moving properly. It was how I felt the next day, which I felt was important. So if I felt that there was a heaviness, I knew that I'd done a little bit too much. So I wouldn't, I would have a rest day or I would walk so far. I was really kind of like to hone into how my body was feeling. Or if it was like, oh, okay, like that feels quite comfortable. Maybe I can now kind of push it to the next level. Mm. And I think... It has changed. I would say I'm actually fitter now than I've ever been, ironically. Mm -hmm. In a way, that weighs down to my prolapse because I've been able to learn the journey. Because I think what was hard for me is before having my Emily, my child, I have run the marathons, I've lifted weight, I, you know, I've done, I, was, I would class myself as being quite a fit person. And all of a sudden, I'm back to square one again like in having to kind of learn how to exercise again I suppose but then in the mindset no but I can do this like this shouldn't be easy I've done this before why am I now struggling to lift 5k where I normally I can lift 10 20k and I think that for me was what I had to kind of get used to and accept and that's quite a hard acceptance I think when you're mm -hmm. so used to exercise and so used to pushing your body over more like boundaries and all of a sudden you're kind of having to kind of draw it back and start to kind of from scratch right. again. Did anybody mention a pessary to you or do you do you use a pessary? Um, I don't use a pessary, no, and no one's ever kind of suggested one to me. I make the assumption that that's because I'm, I assume my, my physio would have mentioned something like that in the early stages. And I think this is why I want to go back to a physio to make sure that I'm doing the things that I should be doing and just to kind of monitor it. But no, I'd, I haven't used a pessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree with your, your logic. And it's something that I've been saying for years, too, is that 
an annual checkup with a pelvic physio, in my opinion, is it should be standard of care. When we think of the attention we place to our oral health by, you know, brushing, flossing, seeing the dentist once or twice a year, and we've been doing that since we were young, and we do that even if we have no toothache or symptoms of anything going wrong. We just go because we're supposed to go get a checkup, right, to catch yeah. things before they become major problems. And I think we should be doing that same thing with our pelvic health. So I completely applaud that and totally support the the notion of checking in, checking in once a year. How's everything going? And because we also go through hormonal fluctuations, we all will approach menopause. We will all go through menopause or reach menopause and then become postmenopause and have huge changes to our hormones that can influence our pelvic floor. So why should we be waiting until we have these problems that we need to overcome that that maybe could have been less or not even problems at all if we'd had the information earlier? I totally agree with that. So when I obviously had Emily, you had the midwives come round or the health visitors, obviously, because I had a episiotomy, sorry, they checked my stitches and they just said that, oh, everything looks normal. So I just made the assumption that that's kind of how I'm meant to look now, because obviously I've had a eight pound 12 baby. I've had forceps, you know, I just kind of thought that this might be my new normal, if that makes sense. And I guess I, I suppose over time then it started to get my products started to get more pronounced and I was kind of noticing it more but I so wish that I had at that that stage that early stage to someone to have that check because it's it's something that we don't get on the NHS and it's really it's 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 what I found as kind of strange was obviously when you then get into you've seen your GP you then are in the system suddenly this world just opens up you know where I live there was a whole unit that is literally connected to a women's health physio and I was like I never knew this existed. And it's, if I only just knew that was there earlier, I could would have made the most of it. And it's just so, so bizarre. And I think that's why with my podcast, it's a bit like people need to know this. People need to know that this service is available privately with the NHS, but it is there. Support is, is there, but people just don't talk about it. I think talking about vaginas for vulvas is a little bit of a taboo subject, I think it has got better over time, but I think improvements still need to be like, there's still areas of improvement. But the more we speak about it, the more we raise mm-hmm. this awareness, more people are going to have, have that understanding. I mean, I don't want to scare people and say, oh yeah, it's going to happen to everybody after a baby because because it doesn't, but it is common. It's one in three, I think the statistics are to get some level of prolapse. So why aren't we talking more about it? I just don't, I just don't get yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I completely agree. And that's part of, I think, when when people are faced with that diagnosis, there's a almost a, an anger or a, a feeling like their body has let them down. Yeah. But then they also think of all of the care practitioners they would have seen along their journey in pregnancy, and not one of those people mentioned it to them. So then there's a bit of anger and resentment on that side as well, too, and thinking these services exist, and it's quite costly to our healthcare system to have to treat these so why are we not stepping in from a prevention perspective and giving more education, more exercise, more resources to people way way ahead? Like why are we not thinking preventively? So that seems like it's it's what your experience was as well too. Yeah. So how did you kind of move past that then? So you you got the information, you were told by one to do nothing and you were told by another, you were given a plan. So that sort of uh, just that in in and of itself makes a huge change to the mental 
side of things. You have an option. You have hope. You can move forward. You can, 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 can instead of can't, can't, can't. Mm. So how did you move from there? What sort of exercises did your physio give you? Like what, what, what was your plan to be able to get back to doing the things that you wanted to do? It was very, obviously, it was basic, starting off with the basics, understanding of pelvic floor, how to actually engage your pelvic floor, focusing on the breathing, when to relax your pelvic floor as well. And then from there, we took those into exercises such as squats, such as lunges. And it's all about like the, your postural position as well. And I mean, I mean, I'm quite lucky because of my fitness background. I had a little bit, I suppose I have a little bit more of an understanding than the average a woman that potentially could come through the system. So I think she was able to push me a little bit more, if that makes sense, because of the knowledge that I had. But it was very much, yes, yeah, so I always engage. It's a lot slower. <laughs> That's one thing I found really hard because my, I've always been, if I'm not sweating, I haven't worked out. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, hold on a minute. We're now really taking it down to the basics levels. But I've got to do these exercises a lot slower so I can really feel what's going on, making sure I'm drawing up, making sure my I'm in the kind of correct position. I'm thinking about my breathing. So I think I was really educating my body and re-educating myself. I think you're right. When it comes for me, it was more the mental health side of it. So I felt broken, like my body had let me down. And I, I actually had counselling. So that kind of the, through the counselling and the exercise, that's how I kind of where my recovery journey was. So I didn't just focus on the physical side of it. I needed the counselling as well. And that was for a lot of things because I think you think, because the way you kind of, your body's amazing. You, you've suddenly, you know, you've grown a baby. You've been able to kind of, whether it was naturally or through cesarean section, you know, you have a baby, your body just copes with it. But all of a sudden now it's, felt that it's let me down because it's stopping me from doing the things I've wanted to do and that was quite hard to get my head around if I'm honest and then I didn't really want to have sex I don't and then if I it's just a lot of quite emotional attachment to it and I think I think I detach myself if I'm honest emotionally from quite a lot of things so that's why I think the counseling for me really works I think for me when I talk about my prolapse I do it is about the physical recovery but I'd really say to people as well it's like if you feel that you need to speak to someone from a like a counselor from that point of view I would always always advocate that if I'm honest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I totally agree so where are you now with your exercise what is your what does a week of exercise look like for you <laughs> I would say I'm back to normal and beyond if I'm honest so I'm back to running 10ks and I'm actually I've achieved a, a, a personal best in that so I run it under an hour now which I never did before so for me a normal day I run twice a week and then I I teach body pump and I teach spin. I swim and I also then do kind of like half an hour weight exercises. Because obviously with family, you don't really have... I think what I've appreciated and understood, like before Emily, it was like, right, if I'm not in a gym for two hours, I haven't had a workout. Like, <laughs> you know, I've got all this time. I could do it. And I think realistically, I wasn't using that time effectively. Now it's like, right, okay, I've got 45 minutes, half an hour, but I'm so much more specific about what I do within those trainings and I feel like I get more now out of those shorter sessions than I did in my two-hour sessions so it's really changed my logic of how I train as well and I think mm-hmm. for the better. Yeah well you mentioned you said you're you're fitter now than you were before and I hear that from a lot of people when they they may get sidelined with some like whether it's prolapse or whether it's chronic back pain or whether it's incontinence and they go through pelvic floor physio they start to do pelvic floor muscle training dynamically as you've been doing 
they sort of retrain that system and progressively load it. And then they get back to where they were, but they surpass it now. The, the optimizing the way the pelvic floor works, it is part of, it's the foundation of our core. And when we have more capacity for power there, it it opens up doors for power in all of the other things that we do. So that's amazing for you. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm still very, when it comes to my weight training or strength training, I would say I'm still very, I'm very, technique conscious because I'm very aware of potential because obviously there's always that I don't want to say fear but when you've worked so hard it's like injury isn't it It doesn't have to necessarily be a prolapse but you've worked so hard to recover rehab to get to kind of the improvements the last thing you want to do is kind of drop yourself back to those those stages so I'm very much I'm conscious I do lift quite heavy weight but I'm very aware that I don't kind of put too much on if that makes sense mm-hmm. you know I've it's a focus on technique and I prefer and that's what I kind of I see to a lot of people as well it's not always about the weight that you lift it's about how you do it get the technique right and then you can start to incorporate more more weight it hasn't it certainly hasn't put me off exercising because I think for some women when they're told they've got a prolapse they're like oh my god that's it like it can work the other way I think where they can go no I don't want to do anything and and that's probably scared then unsure what they should be doing and there is kind of that line isn't there that once you've had your physio and you so the the NHL I had six sessions I think I maybe had slightly more but it's around six to eight sessions and you kind of are left it's like right you've had your sessions it's a bit like oh bye like off you go kind of thing and I think that time is quite daunting when you finished your physio the exercise is becoming a bit too easy but you're not quite sure then yourself how to progress it so I think from there, my advice would be for anybody to either book in with a personal trainer who is specialised in pre and postnatal or pelvic floor health and just kind of get some guidance from there. But also every six months, every year, make sure that you go back to your physio or a a new physio just to kind of just make sure things are ticking over, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what I'm looking for. You know, I'm I'm not medically trained in that way. So I know that if something doesn't look right or feel right, but I wouldn't quite know then apart from the exercise that I've been given, whether that'll be the right thing or do I need a pessary or, you know, what would be the next kind of advice really. Yeah. And isn't it amazing, you being a personal trainer, me being a personal trainer, I've taken many different certifications and just even the basic personal training where you learn about all the muscles in the body and their mechanism of action and the, you know, insertion and origin, all the stuff. Why did we not learn about the pelvic floor? It is this whole group of muscles that was completely eliminated that I would argue is the most important. And yeah, it's shocking. And so now there's finally, there's there's courses, certification. So my former business partners and I had created a course in 2013. And that was one of the, it was definitely the first in Canada. It, It was I don't know if it was the first overall, but then along the way came other courses. And now there, there really are, there's a, kind of a handful of really high quality courses to help people who are working in a fitness or movement capacity, even chiropractors, massage therapists, non-pelvic floor physical therapists. Like, this information is essential, in my opinion, for people who are working in a body capacity. And whether that's your hands-on with somebody or whether you're prescribing movement to them, I just think that it get the information. It's not in your basic certification yet. Hopefully that will happen one day. But there are definitely other courses you can take to heighten your, your knowledge. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I so wish, again, that I knew. And even with the pre and postnatal part of the training that I did, it wasn't really about 
pelvic floor is that obviously it's about the, how the baby grows, how it will sit, what exercise you should, should be, shouldn't be doing. But I think it's information that we do. And I think that's, in a way, it sounds weird, but in a way I'm kind of thankful that I have had this experience because it has taught me so much mm-hmm. about myself as well as my body and what my body can go through and how it can heal. But it can, it's also changed my way of thinking too and it's very much something that I'd always speak to my clients about it and I know sometimes they look at you a bit funny because you're talking about like vaginas and revolvers but obviously in the right terms and it's, it's, I don't think it still has that taboo subject a little bit and people are embarrassed to talk about you know this sort of thing and and we shouldn't be because it is just part of women's health you know and 50% of the population are are, are women so you know it's it's going to affect and that's why I didn't quite understand that I felt so alone I felt so alone but I was like but how can I be alone if that makes sense I'm not the only one to have had a baby yet I don't know and sometimes going on this like obviously you've got Dr Google and then you're like oh my god everything's gonna fall (laughs) out if that's what it looks like it's it's just you don't really want to you want to go to obviously the NHS or you know professional bodies that you can kind of have credibility in what they're have got on their websites as well because I think as well you can get really lost and I think that's another thing that if you do spend your time going yeah. through all different different websites from different people you you then kind of get a bit of a misunderstanding as well so I think yeah. education wise it's really important definitely to have these conversations but even start it young I don't know why we don't talk about it in schools we should be we're, yeah. we're talking about menstruation we're talking about sexual wellness we're talking about bodies again kind of like the personal training course why are we leaving out this essential part of the body and, and that does is influenced by menstrual cycles is influenced by pregnancy, knowing that the majority of women do become pregnant at some point in their life, that it is influenced by hormonal fluctuations and menopause. Like it just a thousand percent it should be taught in schools. It really should. I think even the basics are just about how we refer to it, like the vulva, vagina, rather than, and I think because I'm very much, because of what my, or what's happened, I'm very open to the to with my daughter and we do call it vagina so she and but we know exactly what she's talking about it you know it it stops all this uncertainty and it's just and it's not a rude word it's not a rude word no, like it's so body why part. exactly so let's let's call it what it is and everyone knows exactly what you're talking about if that and that's my opinion again about periods she's too young to actually understand why i thank god i haven't had that conversation i'm not quite ready yet but she's walked in on me changing a towel and she got really worried. She's like, oh, mummy, you're bleeding. And I was like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. Like, women, you'll do it one day. Once a month, we'll bleed. It's okay. I just need to wear a nappy like you did when you were, like, little. She's like, oh, okay. And she can't, that was kind of, a, like, enough information. But it has bitten me on the bum because we've been into, like, a supermarket and we're just walking. And then at the top of her voice, she's like, mummy, do you need your mummy mummy nappies? And I'm like, no, Aww. no, no, I'm all right, thank you. Because I didn't really know what to call them. So I just call them, like, mummy nappies. I think it's great, yeah. <laughs> so she's got an understanding enough to kind of cure, you know, but obviously I haven't gone into too much detail. But again, it's it's just starting from a young age. I think sometimes we are embarrassed to have those conversations. But I think generation, every it's changing, if that makes sense, which I think is really positive. Yeah, yeah. So a couple more questions before we leave. Have you tried or have you heard of hypopressives? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. 
So I'll just plant the seed that hypopressives is a it's an exercise technique that has sort of woven its way into the world of pelvic health. So it I wouldn't say that it wasn't intended as that to start with, but it it has provided a possibility for some people to be able to eliminate prolapse symptoms. Some people have been able to improve their prolapse. Depends a little bit on the type of prolapse you have and how advanced it is, but it is a technique. There's another episode I have, I think it's episode two or three, where I talk about that technique as well. So I just wanted to plant that seed for you. It is something that could be potentially a tool in your toolbox. And then my last question or comment is you've you've mentioned a couple things such as referring to counseling, seeing a pelvic floor physio once a year. What would you say to others who are, they've received a prolapse diagnosis, they're not sure how to move forward? What advice would you give to them? Just you're not on your own, I think is the biggest thing. It can be quite scary. It can be quite daunting. But just take your, just take each day as it comes. If you need to reach out to people, there are people that you can reach out to. Obviously, if you're going from the NHS, I appreciate that might be a slower process than if you go privately. Counselling, there is counselling available. But I suppose it's about speaking to people like yourself, qualified. Even, I mean, I'm not qualified. I kind of feel like I'm a bit of a bridge between between a mu- being a mum, but also having my fitness experience, but also like the Brit- to kind of guide people where they could go. But you've got to feel comfortable with the person that you're talking to as well. And I think this is where just kind of spreading awareness about prolapse, prolapse floor health, pelvic floor health in general as well. And I think as well as like when you kind of feel that you, you don't want to have sex, it's like, oh God, does that make me, does that mean I'm not human anymore? Like, will that ever come back? Will that change? So I think all these kind of worries is probably is worth writing writing down all these questions that you have because when you go into your physio, you kind of forget about everything. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, naively, I wasn't expecting internal physio, if I'm honest. Mm. I would thought as soon as you, they mentioned pelvic floor, it'd be like they'll look at you, they'll twist you a bit, put you so kind of put your your body in position, like tilt your pelvis <laughs> forward and yeah. back, and all. and next thing you know, it's like oh, like okay, we kind of this is what we're doing. Which obviously, <laughs> I've got permission. You know, there was permission there. It wasn't kind of inappropriate or anything like that. But I think okay. it's just all of a sudden those questions that you have have now totally gone out the window. So if there are questions that you are kind of think you have, just kind of not write them down and don't feel embarrassed by it. If I'm honest, and I think people do feel embarrassed sometimes, particularly if they in, are incontinent. And it's nothing. It's nothing to be ashamed about, you know. It's. It's. I think it's just going, reaching out to the right people, but just knowing that there is support out there. Yeah, that's. I. I love that. I think that's a great place to end. I really appreciate you sharing your story and your thoughts, and for the work that you're doing to advocate for increased awareness and exposure about this, about pelvic health, especially prolapse. So, all the links to your your social media and your podcast will be listed below and thank you again so much perfect thank you for having me that's it for another episode of between two lips thank you so much for choosing to spend part of your day with me if you are enjoying the show i recommend subscribing so you don't miss an episode and i would also be grateful for a positive review this will help get the information i share into the hands of more people who may not even know that help exists Finally, I encourage you to take what you learn here and put it into action so that you can ensure that what you hear me and my guests share is not just lip service.